Go ahead and take your Bibles and turn there with me to the book of Ruth. Thank you so much for that music. I'm so glad that you did come thou long expected Jesus. So you got my text message. What? You didn't? Man, that worked out perfect. I love that song. I've been listening to that song all week this week to prepare myself for Advent. Advent is a special season. Um, I love this season. Um, before we um, talk about Advent, there are, there's one thing I do want to make mention. Welcome home, Michael Udi. It is good to see you back. We've been praying for you, and uh, we hope you're sticking around for a little bit longer. Congratulations on your graduation, and uh, so we hope to catch up with you here soon. Wish we could do it now, but we got to get to the Word. So, but uh, Christmas is a busy time, am I right? Probably the busiest time of the year. We have parties to attend, we have gifts to buy, we have traditions to uphold, we have, if you're part of my family, movies to watch, we have church functions to participate in. It's an extremely busy time. And if your family is anything like my family, you feel like all you do during the Christmas season is run, run, run. Christmas Day for us is a little hectic. Uh, we're thankful for our morning on Christmas Day where we can hang out with our little family that we have. They're little, even my wife. And uh, open up gifts. Um, somebody in the back got it. Open up gifts, spend time, and then, but it's like as soon as 11 o'clock hits, it's out the door, my mom's for lunch, her mom's for dinner, right? Yes, but then we got Christmas Eve, it's just, it's a busy season. Um, but that's why I love the season of Advent. And as you heard earlier, Advent comes from the Latin Adventus, which means arrival or coming. Uh, Advent is a season where we can slow down where we can focus our time and our attention on the real meaning of the season, and that's Jesus, our true gift. So this year for Advent, we're doing something a little interesting. We're going to go through the book of Ruth. I am so excited about this because when I first considered this, I was like, this is not going to work. How in the world are we going to talk about Advent? How are we going to talk about Christmas through the book of Ruth. Well, without spoiling it, well, no, here you go. Spoiler alert. Ruth ends up having Obed, which brings into David, who was born in Bethlehem, which leads into Jesus, who was born in Bethlehem. So this whole story of Ruth is vital to Christmas of what happens. So the focus of today is the hope that we can have in Jesus. Christmas is a season of hope. Why do we need hope? Why is hope such an important theme at Christmas? Christmas is not only the busiest time of the year for some, but it can also be the hardest time of the year for some. Am I right? Christmas is a season that reminds us how hard times can be. 
It's a season that reminds us of the loved ones that we're missing. It's a season that reminds us of the joy that we wish we could have. Maybe, maybe some of you this morning are feeling a little Scroogeish. Scroogeish. Am I saying it right? Maybe you're feeling like Scrooge or the Grinch. I don't know. Maybe you're not looking forward to Christmas time because it's a little hard for you. I hope by the time you leave this morning that you may see that there is hope in Jesus during this season. So if you're in Ruth, say word. Stand with me as we read God's word. Ruth 1, beginning in verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife Naomi, and the names of his two son, sons were Malan and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Emelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and both Malan and Kilian died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband." Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the, in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal Kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me The Lord grant that you may find rest each of you in the house of her husband Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept and they said to her. No, we will return with you to your people But Naomi said turn back my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands turn back my daughters go your way for I am too old to have a husband if I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her, to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was de de determined to go with her, she said no more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? She said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? 
So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that as we go into this time that you will add a blessing upon it. See, help us to see the truth of the hope that we can have in you. We thank you for this time. In your son's precious and holy name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. The title of my message today is, I'll Be Home for Christmas. Now, I love Christmas movies. And as I said earlier, it is a tradition in our house during the Christmas holidays to watch Christmas movies every night. Now, all Christmas movies from The Grinch to Die Hard are favorites in our house, at least to me. Some my wife's not a big fan of. Now, one theme you can find throughout many Christmas movies is this theme of coming home for Christmas. Some of you may recall about 15 years ago, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, maybe 20. I think I'm getting a little older. Uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas came out in a movie called I'll Be Home for Christmas about a college student trying to get home for Christmas. He didn't want to come home, but his father was offering a car to him if he made it home in time for Christmas. Now, either people are forced to come home and suffer through family traditions or people are willing to come home and experience time with family. Whether they want to or not, this is, there, there, there's this theme of coming home for Christmas. First chapter of Ruth is a story of returning home. Naomi and her husband and their two sons left Bethlehem. Why did they leave Bethlehem? Because there was a famine. There was no harvest. There was, food was scarce. Their cattle were dying. There's nothing in Bethlehem for the people of God. We see this because of the time that this takes place in. When the judges ruled. We see that in verse 1. Now, if you have ever read the book of Judges, there's a common theme throughout that book. That where God brings judgment on a people who are doing what they think is best in their own eyes. God will provide somebody after the people are doing what they think is best and not what God thinks is best. God will provide somebody to come down to judge the people, to redeem them back to God. But then after a season, the people would go back to doing what they think is best in their own eyes. Now, church, let me ask you, do you think we live in a world today where the culture is doing what they think is best in their own eyes and not God's? So here in Bethlehem, God has brought judgment on his people for not living according to God's standards. He has withheld rain from the people of Bethlehem. He has withheld blessings from them. They are suffering because they're not living according to God's standards. So what does Naomi's family do? They flee to Moab. The grass is greener in Moab. Let's go to Moab. Now here's the thing about Moab. Moab is from the incestuous relationship between Lot and his oldest daughter. This is a cursed people. And so the people, the, Naomi's family flees to this people out of God's covenant. They are strangers in a strange land, but they go there 
to find greener grass, to, to see if there's blessings over there that they can seek instead of what God provides. They flee God. They flee his promised land. They are no longer under his covenant. But here's what's ironic about that situation. Elimelech, the name stands for God is my king. Elimelech is going against everything that he has claimed. God is no longer his king. He's leaving because God is no longer providing. That's nothing new for us, is it, church? We claim to be followers of Christ and we are called to live up to the name that we claim, but sometimes we don't. And Elimelech is doing just that. He, he packs up his things and his family and they flee to Moab. But what happens to Elimelech? He dies. Naomi is widowed. But she seems okay because she's left with her two sons and they marry Moabite women, which is also against God's standards. They've married outside of God's covenant people. So what happens there? They live 10 years and they don't even have children. There's infertility there. That is a judgment from God because of their relationship. And then what happens to the sons about 10 years later? They die too. It is not a fun situation that they're in. Naomi is not happy about this. She is hopeless. She's wondering what's going on. She's asking herself, where is God in this situation? God has stripped everything from her. Here's the main idea for today. God provides hope in the midst of our hopelessness by sovereignly making a way for us to come home. God provides hope in the midst of our hopelessness by sovereignly making a way for us to come home. This story is similar to the parable of the prodigal son. Am I correct? Where the son takes his inheritance, he leaves his father and his brother, he goes off and he squanders his wealth only to waste it and only for famine to come. And then he's wondering, what do I do now? Let me ask you this morning, church, as we come into this Christmas season, have you wandered from God today? Have you wandered from his word? Because life just wasn't working out for you. Maybe, maybe you tried to live according to God's standards, but you just, you just didn't feel blessed. And so maybe you thought that the, that the grass is greener over there. Let's step outside of God's will and live life how I want to live it. Have you wandered from God? And instead of seeking God and his word, have, have you sought to fill your emptiness with material things? Because isn't Christmas anything but materialism? No, it is all about materialism, is it, is it not, church? We, Thanksgiving is, is kind of ironic nowadays in our culture. Let's spend a day where we are thankful for what we have only to leave supper time to run to, to Black Friday sales that happen on Thanksgiving to show how we're not content with what we have. Now, I understand they have the best deals, 
But sometimes our motives behind that are not because of best deals. They're because we're not thankful of what we have. Maybe you have sought to fill your emptiness with people. Instead of material things, maybe it's people. Maybe instead of marriage, you're living with your significant other. Maybe instead of seeking to be filled by his word, you look for that fulfillment in a bottle or on a screen with pornography or or within drugs. I, I mean, where are you seeking to feel that emptiness within your hopelessness? Because I'm here to tell you this morning that God provides hope within our hopelessness by making a way for us to come home. Because here's what we see in Ruth one. Number one, even when we're unfaithful to God, he is working to restore a people to himself. See, Ruth is, I mean, I'm sorry, Naomi is starting to feel that God hates her. She talks throughout the chapter how, how God has dealt bitterly with her, that God is against her, that, 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 that she went away full and that God has brought her back empty, that God has stripped her away of all things. But the thing is, is God is really working in Naomi's life to help her become aware that where, that, that where she is, she's not home. God's trying to bring her back home. God's trying to show her you need to come home. There's nothing in Moab for you. There's nothing on the other side of the fence. The grass may be greener, but it's fake. God is showing Naomi that even though there was no famine in Moab, there's a famine in her soul. God's trying to show Naomi it's time to come home. See, we have hope in God's faithfulness to his people. See, God never left them. Even though they feel like they left Bethlehem, even though they felt like they left God, God never left them. Even though they're on a wayward path, even though they are disobedient, God is faithful to them. He's always been there. And right now, he's been trying to get their attention. God is willing to go great lengths to show us that there's hope in him. Elimelech may have left Bethlehem to go into exile, but Christ has left his kingdom and glory to come into exile with us so that we may be able to come home to him. Isn't Christmas an amazing story of hope? See, we also have hope in God's love that draws us to himself. This is a hard love. But this is love. God is trying to show Naomi, come home. Sometimes he draws us to himself by stripping us of everything that is keeping us from coming home. Sometimes he takes things from us to make us aware of where we are spiritually. There's a a quote, I believe it's by Timothy Keller. He says, we don't know Jesus is all we need until he is all we have. And right now, Naomi has nothing. 
At least she feels like she has nothing. But even when we are unfaithful to God, he's working to restore people to himself. Romans tells us that while we were enemies, Christ died for us. Romans shows us that, that, that God has grace for us, that even in the midst of our disobedience, even in the midst of our unfaithfulness, he still sends his son for us to bring us home. Number two, even in our deepest struggles, God brings hope at the right moment. Even in our deepest struggles, God brings hope at the, at the right moment. So verses one through five, we see Elimelech, Elimelech and his family have left Bethlehem, gone into Moab, and then we see that God has stripped everything from Naomi, except her two daughters-in-law. The men are gone. Some women would be excited about that, but Naomi's not. The men are gone. And they feel hopeless because Naomi now has nobody in her life to take care of her, to keep her secure. Because in, in Old Testament, there's this thing uh, known as a kinsman redeemer. Where when, 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 when somebody dies, when, when, when a spouse is widowed, a member of the family is to marry that spouse to make sure that she is taken care of so that they can father a child so that they are taken care of. But right now, Naomi, is, she's got nothing. She has no husband. She has no sons. But what we see here is that we have hope in a God who blesses. Because what happens within the midst of her deepest struggles? Hope comes at the right moment. Verse six, after she's lost everything, then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. Bethlehem has been in a time of famine. God has visited them and is bringing blessing. And Naomi has heard this and she's ready to come home. Because she has nothing else. She's not coming home with joy. She's coming home bitter. She's coming home because she is realizing that the only hope she has for survival is to be under the covenant of God. Even in our deepest struggles, God brings hope at the right moment. There's still hope here for Naomi. She just doesn't see it yet. This is God drawing her home. This is God providing a blessing to Bethlehem so that Naomi can come home. So we have hope in a God who blesses and we have hope in a friend who clings. Now check this out. Throughout this journey home, Naomi has encouraged her two daughters-in-laws to go back to Moab. Go back, You're, you are young, I cannot provide another husband for you. Go back to Moab, remarry, have a life there. One of the daughter, and one of them goes, Orpah, she leaves. She goes back to Moab. She chooses to go back there, not to Bethlehem. But Ruth, Ruth stays Verse 14, then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth 
clung to her. Circle that word clung if you want to. Verse 15, and she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. Now, this passage we hear a lot at weddings, right? This is, this is Ruth telling her mother-in-law that I'm with you till the end. That I am now part of your family. This is Ruth professing faith in God, a Moabite woman who is now turning to the God of Israel and is now clinging to Naomi. We have hope in a friend who clings to us. I'm not talking about a friend like Ruth. I'm talking about a friend that we have in Jesus. Because even in the midst of our deepest struggles, Jesus never lets us go. He clings to us. And we see a savior who has come from glory so that wherever we go, he will go. Wherever we lodge, he will lodge. He will cling to us. He will hold us fast. And we can have hope in a friend like that. I'm thankful for close friends, but I'm way more thankful for a friend like Jesus. That even in our deepest struggles, God brings hope at the right moment. And this moment points to the arrival of a savior. Because even Jesus coming into the world, even though, it was, even though it's been 400 years since a prophecy has been told, Jesus steps in at the right moment. Because God's timing is always perfect. Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. God is a God of hope who wants to give hope to us. And number three, even in our emptiness, God seeks to fill us with his fullness. Even in our emptiness, God seeks to fill us with his fullness. So, so, so Naomi and Ruth, they come back to Bethlehem, verse 19. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? She said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. She's not talking about I went away satisfied and full of the blessings of God. I went away full because I had my family. I had my husband. I had my sons. Her hope was placed in people. Her security was placed in people. And she says, God has brought me back empty. But let me tell you something. God has to break us in order for us to see that we need him. God has to strip us from the things that are holding us from him so that we need to so that we can know that we need to come home. I went to Mars Hill College in 2006. I decided to go to a school where I knew nobody. Not a person. I was homesick after 12 hours. Lonely. And I think my parents got tired of me coming home about every other week. I had nothing until I started making friends and then I didn't want to come home. Sometimes when we feel like we have nothing, all we want to do is come home. We get homesick. 
She's empty. But is she really? Because who's with her? Ruth. She didn't come home empty-handed. She came home with a daughter-in-law who is clinging to her. See, God wants to fill us with his fullness. We have to be emptied before we can be filled. Because we seek to fill our lives with these material things, with people, with money, with anything you can think of apart from God. But we have to understand that in order to be filled, we must be emptied. Christ was emptied so that we could be filled. We see that in Philippians 2, that he became obedient to the point of death on a cross. He emptied himself. Christ, who who stepped down from glory to come into exile with us into a strange land, he took residence among us so that we can be brought home to him. That is the greatest thing about Christmas, is the incarnation that God comes to be with us. Because we are an empty people who need to be filled. And if anybody knows anything about being stripped of everything, it's Jesus. Life hurts at times. God disciplines those he loves. Sometimes he takes things from us that are not good for us. Christ was stripped of everything so that we can come to him. So that we can come home. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? Verse 22. So Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. All right. So remember in verse 1, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. Verse 1, there's a famine. Verse 22. When... Naomi and Ruth step into Bethlehem. This is what the author says. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. There's a harvest coming. Something big is about to happen. Because here's the thing that we can see about Ruth. If Naomi did not bring Ruth back with her, Ruth would not have fallen in love with Boaz and they would not have gotten married. They would not have had a child. David would not have come to be king of Israel. Jesus would not have stepped into this world because it is through the family line of Ruth and Boaz that Jesus steps into creation. It is from this family line that hope is born for us. That Jesus, the Son of God, comes down from glory to be born, to take on human flesh so that we can come home to him. And so church, my question to you this morning is this. Do you need to come home? Do you need to come home? One of the best parts about my family's Christmas is my brother that lives in in California gets to come home. We see him once, maybe twice a year, and it's not a long time that we get to see him, but he gets to come home. I was telling uh, 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 Vincent and uh, Leto the other day and uh, Adam that, 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 that I 
cry a lot in movies and books. I am a big crybaby. Get over it. Real men cry. But one of the things I cry most in on social media is when the military come home to their family. Homecomings are beautiful. Homecomings are great. When somebody who's been gone for so long comes back. And church, let me tell you, you may have been gone for so long today. And you may, you may be wayward and you don't even know it. With that, I would pray that God would deal with you so that you can come to know that you need to come home. Church, we serve a Savior who the meaning of Christmas shows us that there's hope for us, that we can come home. We can come home. God provides hope in the midst of our hopelessness by sovereignly making a way for us to come home. Church, do you know that hope this morning? Do you have that hope this morning? If not, today's the day to get that right. Today's the day to come home to Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that as we go into this time that you would draw us to yourself. Those of us who have been wayward, those of us who have probably been stuck in sin, complacency, who have probably felt like they've been so far from you, God. Help them, help them to know that you are here, that you are a God who loves us, that you are a God who works to bring us home, that you are a God who brings hope at the right time, that you are a God who wants to fill us with you. Help us this morning. God, if there's any sin within our lives that we need to get rid of, Lord, I pray that you would bring us back to you. Because God, there's grace. There is no need for us to have to clean ourselves up to come back to you because here's the best thing about the gospel is you run to us. So God, bring us back to you. We ask all these things in your son's precious name. Amen.